the only thing that's standing in between us and, and reaching our goals or the next level is resistance. Well, what causes resistance and what keeps it in place? It's typically fear. And where does fear come from? It comes from past experiences. My name is Johnny L. Sasser, and I'm a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger and Tactical Commander to the U.S. Ambassador's Protective Detail. I have seen the struggle even the most hardened men have faced when they combat their inner demons, and I am here to shine a light on those struggles to show that no man is exempt from adversity and internal pain. Men from all walks of life share their stories of hardship, darkness, and perseverance so that every man knows that whatever he is going through, he is not alone. Evolution for men begins now. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. We have Jake Kaufman with us. And if you guys know him, he's been on the show before, but this time we're talking about something that's really important right now, which is how we get past a lot of the trauma and things that we are stuck with in our lives that are creating immovable objects and cyclical patterns of negativity and results that we're not happy with. It's really fun to dive into it with him because he's also got a book on it and it's called Let Love In. And this is a place where he talks about his past trauma and how it was holding him back from his life. And that was one of the most important things I think I gathered from this episode is when we were going through this conversation, you could see how there was so much holding him back. There was so much that was stopping him from having a fulfilling and happy life that he was inevitably going to end up in mediocrity, average, and sadness and living with that trauma until he learned to let love in and kind of really replace that and move through that trauma. So really awesome conversation with Jake. Highly recommend you guys check out his new book that is coming out, Let Love In. I think right now he's got it on sale for 99 cents, uh, actually, if you want to get the ebook. And then the physical copy will be coming out pretty soon. So really loved this episode. So much to take away from it, especially from people who've been through a lot of heavy things in their past. I mean, it's good for everybody, but those who have been through heavy things, they can just cause detrimental effects on our lives until we face them. And I know how hard that can be, but it becomes something that we need to do in order to have that life that we desire. So take a look at this episode and take a look at Jake Kaufman's new book, Let Love In. All right, guys, see you all around the corner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to The Art of Masculinity. Today, we got my good friend, Jake Kaufman, back on the show for another round on The Art of Masculinity. Jake, what made you want to come do this painfully, you know, uh, arduous show again, bro? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you're, uh, I think you're being a little bit too hard on yourself. Thanks for having me. But yeah, man, I, I love talking about all things masculinity personal growth. So of course, um, you know, very laborious act on my end to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really excited for this episode and we were jamming out a little bit before. I'm very excited because, you know, you reached out and you have something to share with the world right now. You always have something to share with the world. You're very good at doing that, but you have something specifically right now that I really want to hone in on that you have just released to the world. And yeah. It is your brand new book called Let Love In. And I'm really excited for this because of your lessons, because of your life. And I know that the message is powerful and palpable, but let's give everybody a little bit of a quick background again, um, just in case they didn't get to listen to the first time around. You know, what brought you to this stage in your life where you're helping people, you're an author, 
and you know you're supporting you know a lot of men high high executive level men in their lives um what brought you to this point oh it's a great question i'll i'll see if i can keep it short and sweet but <laughs> uh you know suffice to say i grew up in a small small town in michigan uh in a fairly conservative christian environment which like any environment has it had its positives and its negatives um, but experienced a fairly significant amount of abuse early on in my life. Not, not from anyone in my family, not from my parents. Um, they were very, very loving parents, but ultimately ended up suffering from a sexual assault or sexual abuse experience when I was right around 12 or 13 uh, at, at summer camp. Uh, an older high schooler uh, essentially took advantage of me while I was sleeping. And the experience happened in front of all of my earthly friends, all of the guys that I grew up with, you know, same church, same small town, same school, and nobody tried to stop it. So as you can imagine, I'm waking up. I don't know what happened, but everybody is laughing, making a mockery of, of what just what just happened. And someone tells me what just took place. And of course, I'm humiliated. I'm humiliated. I'm I'm sad. I'm frustrated, discouraged. I'm like, why didn't you guys stop him from doing that? And that kind of, you know, was the domino that tipped over all the others, if you can imagine. Right. From that moment, from that moment on, and it arguably started before this, because this is a very common occurrence for everyone. Early on in life, you know, especially as children the most important question that we can answer is who do I need to be? What do I need to do? And how do I need to be perceived in order to be loved and accepted by mom and dad, admired by my peers? And of course, as we grow older, successful. Right? And so this is how our personality gets developed. So when you think about it, our personality is this amalgamation of, of genuine traits and characteristics but also these other characteristics that are in response to pain or the perception of pain. Because what's the opposite of being loved or accepted? It's to be rejected. You know, it's the opposite of being a, a success. It's to be a failure. And so I reached this pivotal point in my, in my development. I experienced this, this incident of sexual abuse. And all of a sudden, I started to wear these, these masks to cover over the pain right? so that I didn't have to deal with or process the humiliation, the sadness, the discouragement, the anger, the confusion. And of course, all of this was happening unconsciously. Right? So I started to do what a lot of men do when they're really young. I started to act as if. I acted as if I had it all together. I had it all figured out. I'm successful. I'm fine. Right. I'm sure you hear. Shut it down, bury it. You know? Yep. Yeah. Right. You know, and this is, again, this is a very typical experience that we see where whenever someone, you know, grows up in authoritarian parenting or religion, or they suffer from some pretty significant trauma, they start to reject the less than ideal qualities and characteristics about themselves. And what do they do? They just hide and repress those. Yeah. So this is this is what is referred to as your shadow in psychology. And then what do we do as well? We prop up the more than ideal qualities and characteristics about ourselves and we just try to reinforce those as much as possible. So I became a three-sport athlete, you know, varsity team, started working out incessantly, 
got obsessed with fitness and then eventually on into college. And after I graduated, became obsessed with success and achievement and, and accolades. But at the end of the day, I felt empty. Mm-hmm. I was super, I was super unhappy. I was unfulfilled. And I found myself starting to sabotage my success, push people away. I kept people at arm's length, my friends, my family, even in romantic relationship, I would, I would get to a certain depth or a certain degree within that relationship. And that's where it started to feel unsafe in my system because of the abuse that I had experienced. So what did I need to do in that moment to self-protect? I needed to self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is just self-protection. So I would find out a way or or come up with an excuse as to why I should break it off. And so I I found myself repeating these patterns and the pattern always reveals the problem. So I was kind of forced to do something about it because I was like, why am I repeating these patterns? Why am I you know, sabotaging success? Why am I pushing away love? Why does it seem to be that intimacy scares me? And so I kind of was forced to go in search of what was ultimately holding me back and what was stopping me. And they say that the two primary paths to transformation is great love and great suffering. And so for me, it just so happened to be great suffering. I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, for lack of a better phrase, and started to invest in my personal development. And that was almost a decade ago now. I'll be 37 next week. This was when I was 27, 28, and just fell in love with the process, right? Which initially was for my own purposes, my own growth and healing purposes. But eventually, after a period of time, I was like, I want to help other people do this too. I want to help other people heal and grow so that so that they can live up to their potential, so that they can discover a higher a higher purpose beyond just their fo- their vocation and what they do for money. And bringing it to the book about four years into my my self growth journey, as you can imagine, I really started to work through the abuse, what happened, processing the emotions, healing from the experience, and I started feeling called to share my story on social media. Well, when I did, I never could have imagined what, what, what happened. But when I shared my story, my nervous system completely collapsed. And I uh, suffered from what is clinically referred to as an acute nervous system breakdown. Wow. So I essentially, I essentially had a panic attack on steroids. I started vomiting. I started purging, vertigo, nausea, the whole mm. nine yards, just crying uncontrollably. I was very much a, a passenger in my own body in that moment. And I was like, what is going on? And through some pretty intense psychotherapy discovered that because of the masks that I had spent so long wearing, right, we're talking the better part of 20 years at this point, I would, I shared in early 2019. So I would have been 33 years old at this time. Yeah. So we're talking about 20 years from when the incident happened. Mm -hmm. The minute, the minute that mask was ripped away and was gone, the amount of input, the amount of connection, because of course I just shared this story with everyone that I know. Mm-hmm. It was too much for my nervous system. And I was completely overwhelmed and my nervous system just collapsed. That's so wild that like your body received the information right. and then 
did its own thing. Like it just fascinates me what how, how we are just tied together through this very intricate system. And then yeah. how like you releasing this information of stored up energy then hits your body in a certain Boom. way that wow, man, was that so you mentioned you mentioned you were that passenger. And I don't mean to derail you from your story, but I thought this would be a great thing is like you mentioned you're that passenger in your own body. Um, did that persist for a while before the psychotherapy or like what was that or was it like a, an acute, you know, hit and then it kind of passed? Like what was that like for you? So the vomiting only lasted that day, but uh -huh. the, pan the panic attacks and just the emotional purging, the crying probably lasted for Johnny a couple months. Wow. It was it was wild because I mean if you spend long enough, you know, 10, 20 years, in my case, 20 years stuffing down and repressing all of these emotions, sadness, anger, bitterness, etc., all of that has to go somewhere. Yeah. And so when all of a sudden you open the door on those emotions, it's just going to start flooding out. And that's exactly what what happened with me again, I didn't know that I was doing this because it was all occurring unconsciously in an attempt to self-protect in order to make sure that that, that event never happened again, that I was never mm. abused or taken advantage of in that way again. So all of these masks were survival strategies, adaptive mm. compensating strategies to ensure that I stayed away from this pain and prevented this event from happening again. But yeah, it lasted a couple months. Wow. Wow, man. It's your story always fascinates me because I think it's something that a lot of men have dealt with growing up. And uh, it's, it's something most of them just do exactly what you did until this point. Like they still continue to, and hopefully, you know, you sharing this story again and you, you know, through your book, which we're going to get into here in a second you know, hopefully this is giving men permission to say like, it's, I'm done, you know, which is obviously it's, I, I kind of will use that as a segue because your subtitle is the pain stops when the truth starts. And that's, that is, I mean, it gives me goosebumps saying that because it's such a powerful line for so much in our life as men, but specifically when we go through things like abuse. And so what gave you really that revelation for that tagline, like what gave you that revel or where was that point of revelation in your journey um, when you kind of, you know, took and manifested that into growth as opposed to pain? That's a really good question. You know, like I mentioned earlier, the pattern always reveals the problem. Yeah. And for any problem to persist, our ego needs to hide the truth from us. That's how it maintains the status quo. It's how it keeps us trapped inside of our comfort zone. Right? So for every, everybody listening, when I say ego, I mean the self-protective part of our psyche that is meant to keep us, from, keep us from harm, keep us from pain. And so it wasn't until I started you know, going to therapy, investing in coaching, being a part of, of group coaching programs like you and I both run that I started to unpack a lot of these things from the past and realize how I was incorporate, how I was recycling the pain from the past and bringing it into the present moment. Mm. And, and that's when like, I was able to connect the dots for, oh, the reason I'm pushing away love is because on some level, 
love is scary to me because of this experience, because of this experience that I had where I trusted these guys, like I trusted these friends and I felt betrayed. I felt betrayed by guys who I had grown up with, who I was super close to, who I thought I could trust. And I was like, I, I can't trust these guys anymore. You know? And so it had me, it had me not trust love. It especially had me not trust brotherhood. And so I had a really hard time, not just investing deeply in relationship and truly allowing myself to be seen, right? Because we can still be vulnerable while we're still wearing a mask. Oh, 100%. Right. And so it had me take stock of all of these different areas of my life where I was performing. And, And this is kind of core to the work that I do with men is that until we become conscious of our patterns and of our pain, it's going to continue to run the show and it's going to continue to show up in our life, in our relationships, in our business, or when it comes to our health. And so, you know, we kind of see two different polarizing manifestations of this primarily in men. One is the people pleaser, right? And, and the passive, passive man, yeah. Who's very, very codependent. And the other one is like of hyper masculinity, where it's like this obsession with constantly doing better, being better, achieving more. There's nothing wrong or bad about either, because both are ultimately in response to pain. Right. Both are both are overcompensations or adaptations in response to pain. So for me, for me. I kind of trended towards, you know, the, the high performer persona, the overachiever, if you want to call it that, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yep. The, the overachiever who was focused on his image and, and success and accolades and all of the things like you mentioned, would you equate that to like a perfectionist? Totally. Absolutely. Yep. Perfectionism is something I've always struggled with. Um, but perfectionism is really just an avoidant strategy. And so it's, it's a trauma response in short. So we need to, we, that trauma response needs to be in place until we adequately process through and heal from whatever pain we are trying to prevent from happening again. And this is where I see far too many men being made wrong for their coping strategies or avoidant strategies like perfectionism, when really they serve a very important purpose, like I mentioned, even if they are ineffective, right? Because obviously perfectionism is fear-based and it's going to prevent you from accomplishing your goals. It's going to prevent you from reaching the next level in your life or in your business. But fundamentally, it's trying to keep you away from pain. And so it serves a very important purpose, again, until we can renegotiate our nervous system response to pain. And that requires reconciling pain from the past so that we stop recycling it in the present. Mm, yeah. And that's, that is, that's where the real power is. Right. So that's like, totally. 
it's because everything is just cyclical, right? It's kind of like that saying, if you, um, you're going to repeat those things that you don't learn in history, right? So if you, totally. you're always going to repeat it. And th- this is where I, I, you know, you say something like that and it even rings so true to me is that like, I see certain patterns that may not even be traumatic in my life, but because I haven't reconciled something in the past that I didn't like about that, they just can constantly show back up. And you're like, crap, I didn't want that again. <laughs> you know? Totally. Um, yeah. And it can be little things, but then it also is these these big traumas that we have as well, right? And you mentioned, I want to jump back real quick. You mentioned betrayal, and and uh, I, th- I even wrote that down actually because I was like, wow, man, that had to be at such a young age. That really had to be hard for you to trust men again in your life as as brothers, which then also can can kind of really impact the development socially in a men's circle and masculinity in general. Totally. What was uh, that healing like for you when it came specifically to, to like groups of men and brotherhood? What was that like? Cause you, you host amazing yeah. events where you're bringing brothers together. <laughs> and so you, you obviously have healed it. What was that like for you to get there? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, we repeat what we don't repair as we talked about, but for me initially, because in the beginning, whenever you start on any self growth journey, it's always of our own choosing and under our own terms, right? I'm going to sign up for this workshop. I'm going to hire this coach. I'm going to invest in this program. But for me with my nervous system collapsing, I had no idea that that was going to happen. I had no idea that that was going to take place. So even though I had been investing in my growth, my healing, my personal development for years, I was arguably still performing. I just didn't realize it. So I would show up in these workshops, you know, at these events, and I was still wearing a mask. I just didn't realize it. In fact, for the first couple of years, the first two or three years, I never brought up my abuse in any of the workshops, the seminars. Um, the coaching groups that I was a part of, I never brought it up because I was so terrified of what people would think, right? And the shame that I was still carrying around. Now I was still working through it on my own in therapy, but again, I was I was only showing the part of myself that I wanted people to see. So, you know, in the first couple of men's circles that I was a part of as a student, this was well before I started leading them for myself. I never brought it up. Because I was super scared of what other guys would think, um, how they would respond, the shame that I was still carrying around. And it wasn't until several years in that I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to take off this mask. And I basically just, on the first meeting of a new men's group that I had joined, I was like, here's what I have gone through. Here's what I have struggled with. You know, because the part that I, I didn't speak into was after the event, there was tons of bullying that followed because like I mentioned, all the guys that I had grown up with um, at church, at school, it started to follow me around the abuse, you know? And so I was made fun of for, for being gay, you know, um, for liking men, for, you know, all this stuff, this terrible stuff, which as a young teenager, you know, when you're going through adolescence, you're like, shit, like, do I like, am I gay? Like, I don't know. Like, what do I make of this experience? Because I have to, I have to interpret it in in some way, shape or form. Now I 
came, eventually came to the conclusion was like, no, I definitely <laughs> like women. You know, <laughs> yeah. Have a have a wonderful partner um, in my girlfriend Carrie. But it was a very confusing time, as you can imagine, when you're sure. young and you're going through adolescence and you're really trying to determine like who you are and how you fit into your friend group in the world and, and really make sense of you know your place in it. And so for me, it wasn't until I realized like, oh shit, despite the growth and the healing work that I'm doing, I'm still only showing a part of who I am, right? I'll show you these parts over here, but like this, I'm going to continue to, <laughs> I'm going to continue to bury and hide over here. Um, and again, it wasn't well-intentioned. It was motivated by way of self-protection. But it wasn't until I fully took off that mask and it was like, here's the truth. Like, here's all of who I am. Here are all of my insecurities. Here's all the pain that I've been through, that I'm still going through, the things that I'm still carrying around and just like putting it all on the table. And I just remember one of the guys in the group was like, he started crying because of my share. And he was just like, thank you. He was like, thank you. He's like, and I was like, what are you thanking me for? And he's like, because that's the truth. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. like, that's the truth. He's like, he's like, I can, he's like, I've been in a ton of men's circles for over the course of several years. And he goes, I've, I've only seen that a couple times, right? Where, where men stop performing, they take off all the masks that they use to be accepted, successful, loved and admired and they really allow themselves to be seen for who they truly are he's like i'm so grateful because he's like that's the truth he's like i can feel it in my body like it's resonating within me what you're saying what you're sharing and i i feel so closely connected to you right now and you know this is not to pat myself on the back but that's really where the title came from because there was so much relief after i shared all of that and Mm. i was like oh thank god like you know (laughs) now the truth is out there and, yeah. and, and real growth, real healing can, can now start to happen. Oh, so special. Well, man, let's jump into the book a little bit and yeah. talk about, um, and talk about this. So, you know, that, that is where let's start with that. You know, that's when the, the healing starts. So are, did in your book, did you go through kind of that process of healing and give, give some guidance of what that looked like to you? Totally. Yeah. It's, I would classify the book as a memoir, but as you can probably imagine, there are a lot of times where I step, in, step into self-reflection sure. and, and offer up lessons for, for the reader about how to uncover what's holding them back. Yeah. Right. Because when it comes to getting to the next level in our life, whatever that looks like for you, because it's typically different for everybody. The only thing that's standing in between us and, and reaching our goals or the next level is resistance. Well, mm-hmm. what, ca- what causes resistance and what keeps it in place? It's typically fear. And where does fear come from? It comes from past experiences. Mm-hmm. And so in my work within myself, but also in the work that I do with men, it's in identifying the internal resistance that is ultimately preventing them from taking the action that they need to take to accomplish what they want to accomplish. Right. And a huge part of that is around taking off, taking off the mask. You know, everybody wants the crucifixion, but nobody wants the resurrection. Mm -hmm. So 
the minute we identify what it is that you say you want, we have to start the conversation with, well, what's preventing you from achieving that? What's, what's preventing you from getting there? Which is why I think the most important question when it comes to your growth and healing journey is what have you been doing with your pain? Mm, yeah. And are you transmuting that pain into something productive, right? Absolutely. And well, and that's where it kind of becomes conflated because like I mentioned, for me, I thought I was doing that because I was this high performer, this high achiever, but no matter how much I accomplished on some level, I still felt empty and Mm. I was left, I was left wanting. So I was like, why is that? I'm, I'm accomplishing my goals. You know, at the time I was a really successful corporate healthcare professional, took one of my companies from virtually nothing to a little over $4 million in like 18 months. So boom, rapid, rapid success. I was like, why am I unhappy and unfulfilled? Like I should be thrilled, right? (laughs) You know, like externally on the outside looking in, you would be like, you're crushing it. And on some level I was financially and then on paper, but I was internally, I was still carrying around and recycling this, this pain that I hadn't fully reconciled from the past. So I was just continuing to carry it around with me. So no matter what goal I accomplished, no matter what level of success I achieved, it was never enough. Mm -hmm. And of course, my answer at the time was, well, I'll just get to the next level. Right. That that's where <laughs> right. That's where my I happiness. I need to do more. I gotta do more totally. for myself. A hundred percent. Yeah. I just need to exactly. And that is one hundred percent the ego. Performance is the calculus that the ego best understands. Yeah. And so it really had me, it forced me to take an honest look of okay, despite my success, on some level, I'm unhappy and I'm unfulfilled. And every time I reach the next level, I'm still left feeling the same way. You know, there's that initial high, of course. Yeah. But I'm still, after a certain period of time, I still return back to to kind of feeling the same way. And so that's when I was forced to go internally inside of me to discover those internal barriers and internal resistance that was causing me to be unhappy, unfulfilled, and continue to feel the same way. And what, what was, uh, I want to phrase this in a way that we can, you know, uh, gather something maybe a little different from the normal answer. Cause I know you got different answers for this. So, but what was one of the tools I would say that really got you through or really got you onto the other side of this that you're, you're letting people know about in the book? Um, what's one of, what's a sneak peek to one of those tools that you use that, that aside from like the therapy, obviously it's incredibly helpful for people to use, but aside from that, maybe it's something that they can put into practice in their daily lives. Now, if they're reading the book, um, or if they're listening to this podcast, what is one of those things? So I don't know if I ever actually offer up this question for people to ponder in the book, but I'll, I'll still give it to you because... Oh, you better rewrite it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Go back and redo it. Hurry up. You Can, we Can we do additions? Can we do additions? Totally. Yeah. Um, I do know that one of the big questions that spurred things for me was, 
what am I pretending not to know? Ooh, I love this. Yeah. That was a huge question. What am I pretending not to know? And for me, it was, I was pretending that the abuse wasn't actually a big deal. Mm. Wow. It wasn't actually a big deal and it shouldn't bother me. You're and a that man. the bullying, right. I'm a man. Right. And the bullying, you know, the, my, my friends making fun of me, that wasn't a big deal, but it was. And I had just been pushing it to the side and suppressing it when oh. really it was 100% killing me inside because all I wanted, all I wanted was to fit in with my friends mm. and, and be, and be accepted and embraced by them as any 12 or 13 year old would. And that never really happened. And so of course I was on some level dying inside, but for 15 years until I really started to unpack this when I was 27, 28, I was just pretending that it wasn't a big deal, that it wasn't affecting me when really it was the basis for the majority of the struggles and the challenges that I was experiencing in my life, despite um, how successful I was on paper. But if I were to offer something to everybody, I think that'd be a great question to ponder, to journal on, to really chew on, consider and contemplate. But also if my greatest strength is a compensating strategy, what is my greatest strength for? Mm. Yeah. That's really good because you're still never going towards the the actual root of anything. Right. Yeah. My greatest strength became having it all together. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and it was just a cover up. Totally. Yeah. So being successful in, in business, in terms of my fitness, right? Because I became obsessed with sure. my health and fitness yeah. and with athletics. So my greatest strength was having it all together. I don't need anything or anyone to help me out the consummate lone wolf (laughs) and really that was a compensating strategy it was an adaptive strategy to prevent that pain that incident that abuse from happening again because if Mm -hmm. i have it all together if i have it all together and i have no perceived weakness you can't touch me Mm -hmm. right you You have nothing to make fun of you can Totally. You can't hurt me. You have nothing to make fun of. And if I, if I'm better at you at sports, if I'm more fit than you at athletics, I always have like a a leg up on you. And so that's my greatest strength. And I, and I see this for so many men is that oftentimes our, our greatest strength is just an adaptation or an overcompensation to avoid dealing with pain. Well, it's, it's, it's your greatest weakness actually, because it's your, it's your layer of protection of an insecurity that, you know, if you addressed that trauma, that insecurity, then you could actually, you know, transmute that into a real strength because you can confront, you can acknowledge, you can address, you can heal as opposed to saying, nah, I'm just going to strap this piece of metal on here and just cover that up and that's going to be it. <laughs> yeah, you will return to where you once started and you will know it for the first time. Mm, yeah. Wow, man. That's, that's powerful. I'm always going to be a driven, assertive person. That's never going to go away. I want to suck the juice out of life, the, the marrow out of life. I want to you know, be the best I can be. But now it's no longer a compensating strategy because I've worked through my pain. Yes. I've worked through the overcompensation that 
served as the fuel for my drive and motivation, but that actually had me running away from something. Well, and and this is where, you know, okay, we've we've talked about a little bit how you address that in the book, but let's go to the main title of the book, Let Love In, right? And this is this is kind of a this is a a paradox for men, right? Let sure. love in. Like your guys are gonna be like, bro, what? I'm sorry. Like love is not in our vocabulary unless it's with our spouse. And even then it's got, you know, conditions, right? So let's walk through this a little bit because I'm sure obviously this was part of your healing process was to allow that. And that was obviously hearing your story, that was very hard to do because you're constantly trying to protect yourself because of this betrayal. And you were, you know, constantly not letting yourself be seen. So let's address that. You know, why did that become the title of the book? And then how are you, how did you, again, a little bit of a, of a snapshot of the book. We don't want to give everything away. We want people to buy it, but give everybody a little bit of insight of why that became the title and then how you're addressing that in your journey. Yeah, great question. If everything is either an act of love or a bid for love, then really the biggest question that we get to answer is what is getting in the way of me both giving and receiving love? We talked about resistance earlier, resistance being the thing that gets in the way of us getting to the next level in our life, getting to the next level in business, going deeper into intimacy and connection in our romantic partnerships. That's driven and motivated by fear. Fear is what had me push love away and put up this shield or this armor so people could get to know me a little bit, but I wouldn't let them all the way in. Like I mentioned, I would let them see certain aspects of me, the ideal qualities and characteristics about me, Meanwhile, rejecting the less than ideal qualities and characteristics about me. But until you get to know all aspects of something, both light and darkness, you can't say that you actually love it. And so for me to truly experience the love from my family, my parents, my siblings, the love from my friends, the love from my partner, I had to take the walls down that were again, protecting me from this painful experience happening again, I had to break through the armor that I had unconsciously put on, the masks that I unconsciously took on, if I was going to be able to receive their love and therefore give love back in return. Mm, yeah. And that's... and. That in and of itself, I just wrote it down, is uh, was about receiving love. So... That is something, do you address that in the book about, you know, because that's a hard thing for men. It's one thing to give love. And a lot of men show love in, in a lot of ways, we're taught to show love through sacrifice, right? That's our kind of, that's a common theme for masculinity. Um, so I kind of, I want to address that with you as well. But uh, I want to go to receiving real quick, because I think this is one of the hardest things. I know this has been very hard in my life. I'm, I'm not a great uh, person when it comes to receiving uh, even compliments or gratitude, like I'm, I'm not great at receiving that. And so to receive love, to receive this very intimate, soulful connection with somebody, how was that for you to like open up to, to find that and, and not try to create like 
a, f- a fraudulent story around it. Like they're just doing it because they have to, right? Great question. I think it's important to understand that everything in the universe has an opposite. Light, dark, night, day. They go together. So if I push away rejection and the possibility of being rejected, rejected, what do I simultaneously push away at the same time? Love and acceptance. It's the law of polarity. Everything has an opposite. And so giving and receiving works very similarly. I can only give to the extent that I allow myself to receive. And and so for me, when it comes to going deeper into relationship, whether it's with my friends, with my family, with my partner, I'm constantly needing to go in search of the barriers that are getting in the way of me receiving love. That's the foundation. You can't give from an empty cup. And so I I have to be able to receive love and increase my capacity to receive love if I hope to be able to increase my capacity to give love in return. And so that's why this work is so essential. It's just like health and fitness. If we don't use it, we lose it. And we go back to our old coping strategies. We go back to our old ways of being, doing, and living because that's what's habituated. It's what we know and it's what we're familiar with. Because for a lot of us, we spent 10, 20, maybe even 30 years reinforcing those behaviors until we really started to invest in our growth, in our personal development journey. You know, for me, it was 15 plus years. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately for me, it came down to how do I want to live my life and what do I want to receive from other people? Yes, but what do I want to give? What do I want to contribute to others? And knowing that my ability to give to others, to love others was in direct proportion to my ability to receive from others and receive love from others. Mm, yeah, that, it's so, I mean, I find it so, it's still a journey I embark on receiving. Totally. Wise. Like I, I, I have to continue to work on that. Um, I get to, I get to continue to work on that. And I do. Um, but it's it's one of those ones I know a lot of men struggle with, and and because we do create stories, we create stories like, you know, about why somebody is appreciative of us, like oh they have to or like whatever it is, and we create a story around that shit. But to the flip side of this, so g- giving love, uh, as I mentioned before, I find a lot of guys they do this out of sacrifice, right? And so for you, what did that look like for you to start giving love? And then also, what did that look like for you to start giving love while you're counterbalancing that with trying to not feel betrayed or feel vulnerable to the point of of being betrayed by other people? It was very difficult. It was very activating because our ability to give, our ability to our life our business expands, our relationships expand in proportion to our felt sense of safety in our nervous system. Because of what I, because of what I went through, love to a degree felt like a threat because love, love requires vulnerability. 
which literally means a willingness to be wounded. So to put myself out there because of what I had experienced was incredibly activating in my system. It was kind of like this round peg square hole situation. You're in the, you're in the military. What is people's predominant response, biological primal response when an explosion goes off? Run away, right? <laughs> Depends on who you ask. It's it's it could be go towards <laughs> depending Correct. on who you well, ask. Right, but typically in military training, they have to they literally have to train that out of you. Yeah, they have yeah. to train they have to train you to go towards explosions, to go toward danger because you know you're the first line of defense. But our primal instinct is to run away from loud noises. It's actually one of the only two biological fears that we're born with. So for me, I had to kind of train myself with regard to vulnerability and opening up and connection and, and going deep in relationship with others and allowing them to see all parts of me, not just the ideal parts of me, but also the the less than ideal parts of me that I experience shame around or that I'm embarrassed by or, or that I, I'm tempted to hide because of what I've gone through. And we all do this. However consciously or unconsciously it's happening, we, we all do this, especially when you've experienced any amount of abuse, whether it's physical or whether it's emotional. We've all been through at least some type of emotional trauma in our lives because of, like you mentioned, the stories that we make up about it. Trauma fundamentally is much less about what happened to us and much more about how we internalized it. What did we make it mean? What were the stories or the beliefs that we made up about ourselves as a result? And one of the beliefs that I made up or the stories that I bought into is that love isn't safe. Because if it was, if it was, my boys would have stood up for me. And so I just continued to carry that belief around with me and it became my truth. And so it wasn't until I went through some healing, worked through these experiences and detached the painful emotions that were attached to those experiences, was I able to to let love in and actually connect with my friends and family and and my romantic partner and step into vulnerability, but without that performative mask that has me present the ideal qualities, but repress and hide the less than ideal qualities. Yeah. And then, and then you were fully able to receive it and to give it in a healthier way than just sacrifice and also give it in a way where, you know, it, it was okay to be open and vulnerable with somebody and to trust, right? To have that trust. Yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge that whatever we whatever we do to ourselves, we're also doing to someone else because we're all connected. Mm-hmm. And so if if I'm giving to you, but at the cost of myself, is that really love? That's a win-lose scenario. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I think a part of growth and maturity as men is, is really breaking free of dualistic thinking, this either-or situation or win-lose scenarios and seeking to try to create, seeking to try to create a win-win. And so whenever we see men or whenever I see men that are giving, but at the cost of themselves or or giving and self-sacrificing, it's typically to reinforce this heroic project that they have adopted or taken on in an attempt to overcompensate so that they don't have to deal with the pain from their past. Yeah, absolutely. It's a protection mechanism, especially when you live in sac. And I'm, you know, guys get they have 
ideas around this, but when you live in that sacrifice, you know, that's not a true way of living and it it never allows you to find your happiness. And as you put it earlier in the episode, you're trying to give from an empty cup, you know, because you're never giving back to you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a win-lose scenario. And so you have to step into a win-win scenario, which is inevitably going to force you to create healthy boundaries when you think about it, because if you're giving from a place of self-sacrifice, on some level, you don't have boundaries, even if those boundaries are with yourself. That's, that says, I'm not going to allow myself to, to pay a price for the sake of giving to somebody else, because that doesn't do me any favors. And further, furthermore, it impacts my ability to increase in my giving. Because if it's costing me something, if it's costing me something, then it's costing, it's also costing me in my ability and capacity to give even more to other people. So we have to create a win-win within ourselves, which looks like setting firm and healthy boundaries, not just with other people, but especially with ourselves. Yeah. Oh, beautifully said, brother. I love this. This conversation is always so great, man. You're so, so enlightening. As we're kind of rounding out here, I always love to ask authors uh, because this is a this to me is is really cool to hear from the author. And I know the book is 100%. Just because I know you, I know all the content's going to be absolutely on point and amazing. And not just saying that, I truly do because I know you and I know the amount of effort that you put into your message and how you give to men. So, But I have to ask, what was your favorite chapter to write in the book? Mm, man. It was probably the turning point for me when I, when I met my first mentor who I worked with for two years. I'll never forget it. We, we were up in Malibu and I had hardly a penny to my name. And this was the moment where I was like, something has to change. I have to change. I had gone through extreme highs, extreme lows, lots of success in business, but at this point in my journey had hardly a penny to my name. And he was just like, I'm looking at a millionaire. And I don't think I actually wrote that into the book because I didn't feel like it was that important. But I'll never forget when he said it, I didn't receive it because of like, oh, wouldn't it be great to be a millionaire? I received it in a way that was so special because I was like, this guy sees me. He see, he sees my potential. He sees the truth of who I am. He sees beyond the pain. He sees beyond my wounds and, and he sees my, my God given potential and the purpose that I have, have come here to fulfill, which is to be in service to other people and to help them heal. And I just remember being overwhelmed by that because I had spent so long silently suffering oftentimes. And for a long time, I didn't even know that I was suffering and it just overwhelmed me because after I was abused, I didn't, I didn't feel seen as you can imagine. I didn't feel seen after that. I didn't really feel accepted even when I was, because I was still kind of carrying around this pain from that experience and I was overwhelmed by the fact that this guy sees me. Especially from other men. A hundred percent. And this guy sees me. And because every hero needs a guide. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you're familiar with the hero's journey, oh, yeah. you know, there's the call, there's the, ref- there's the refusal of the call. And then the hero meets a guide and the guide is this pivotal point in the hero's story where the guide leads him to his higher purpose, to, to his calling. And that was it for me because I remember before that feeling very lost, very confused, wanting to change, but not really knowing how to, not knowing how to get to where I really wanted to be in my life, experiencing constant tension and resistance compared to where I was versus where I knew I could be in my life. And instantly in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm going to get there. I have hope. I I, I have hope. That was probably, that was probably my favorite chapter to write because I just remember being so grateful in that moment. I didn't know what to expect in my growth and healing journey, but I was like, I know I'm in the right place right now. Mm. Dude, that's powerful, man. I'm really glad that you shared that on the show. And I'm also glad that you shared that in your book so people can see that because I just see it coming out from you as you talk about him and about Mm -hmm. that moment and to have somebody have that belief in you. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people are going to be able to resonate with that. And I think you're going to actually, through that sharing, you're going to stoke a lot of people to think about who that is or was for Mm -hmm. them, or if they have found that person, you know, who knows, maybe they're still searching. Right. And so that's amazing, bro. Yeah. A lot of guys are. A lot of guys are. That's amazing. Brother, is there um is there anything else in the book uh that we don't again, we just want to tease this thing because yeah, I want yeah, people, totally. I want people to read it. I'm a big reader. <laughs> I'm gonna be reading this. I love it. I love to be able to read it and interpret it and then synthesize it to my life. So that's what I absolutely love about reading. But is there anything else you want to share that really like really stands out for you or maybe you want people to know uh, is like an underlying theme to this? Is there something you want to share with people on here? I don't know, man. Just uh, appreciate you having me on here and super excited to talk about it. But like I mentioned a couple other times on the podcast, the pattern always reveals the problem. And I would encourage everybody on here to really deeply consider what do my results say that I believe about myself? Because there's always what there's always what we say we want, and then there's what we then there's what we actually what we actually do. People are rarely what they say, but they're always what they do. And so it wasn't until I started looking at my results, which was okay. I have these friendships. I have this this success, and on some deep level, I'm I, I'm unhappy and unfulfilled and i need to figure out why that is or i'm going to just continue to feel this way and it's only going to get worse probably so i would deeply consider that and chew on contemplate that because that'll lead you to the truth mm, that's powerful and beautiful bro i love that we can all see that too we all have patterns in our lives that's giving us a same or similar result and you're right you know that's why the saying actions speak louder than words you know what what are you doing? You know, because you can lie to me all you want, but your actions are going to tell me exactly what you believe in yourself or about yourself subconsciously, too. Right, and that's and that's the big thing is most people aren't aware of that because what what is occurring is largely in their unconscious, and you know that's why when uh, when a lot of people come to work with me, you know, they're like, "Why should I hire you?" And I'm like, "Simple. I see what you can't." 
<laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. I see so what you good. can't. That's a very Yoda answer, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. I love that. Dude, Jake, you are always a home run hitter, man. I love having you on the show. You have a lot of wisdom and knowledge to give men uh, out there. And obviously, women can gain a lot too from learning from you and from from the podcast. So truly, truly grateful for you. Thank you for putting out a book so you can get this out to more people. So hopefully, you can provide some kind of guidance in their life. And maybe you'll be a guide to them, man. Maybe in a remote way, you'll be a guide and then they'll search you out to potentially work with you, which would be even better. But before we hop off, bro, let's do, um, you know, what's a shout out to the book? It's I'll let you do the service of the book, but it is out right now for people to purchase and there's a pretty good deal going on. So let everybody know about that and then let everybody know how they can get in touch with you and, and anything else you got going on right now. Absolutely. So yes, you you are correct. The book is available for pre-order right now. The digital copy of the book is on sale on Amazon for 99 cents. Uh, so if you search, and we'll provide the link for people in the show notes, but it's jacobkaufman.com backslash ebook. And then you'll also be able to purchase a physical copy of the book for uh, $12.99 on amazon.com, like I mentioned, or through my website, jacobkaufman.com. But the best place to get a hold of me is on Instagram. My handle is I am Jake Kaufman, K A U F F M A N. Perfect, bro. And we'll get all that in the show notes. So, anybody listening right now, um, when you're in a stationary place, if you're moving, please check out the show notes. This will all be in there for you. So, you don't have to memorize it. And uh, anything else going on, bro? I know you got coaching and stuff. We got to make sure everybody knows about it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, right now, my focus has just been on the book primarily, but. I am going to be launching uh, my next men's group cohort in May, uh, which I haven't officially announced yet, just because, like I mentioned, my focus has been on the book. But um, you know, for for men looking for a place to belong, for a circle to be a part of, that'll be up and coming. So a lot of opportunities to stay in touch, get involved. Um, so yeah, super excited for what the future has in store. Awesome. Everybody, make sure you grab the book, please. You'll do yourself uh, service by grabbing the the ebook as soon as possible. And if not, grab grab you like physical books, grab that as well. You know, and uh, check out Jake. Make sure you guys give him a follow and what he's got going on, brother. Truly grateful for you. Appreciate you as a brother in my life and also on this mission to help men. So grateful for everything you got going on. So. Thanks for being back on the show. And to everybody listening, as always, remember to drop the ego and stay humble. Until next time, guys. Thanks, Johnny. 